Amen. Well, good morning. Glad to be here today and uh, inside where it's a little less humid than outside. Uh, we're actually starting a uh, series today, uh, four parts in, in the book of Jonah. And uh, Jonah is one of my favorites. Uh, and part of it is that there's this just impossible situation of Jonah being swallowed. And, uh, and then that's not the end of Jonah. Normally, I would think if you get swallowed, then you're done, right? That's it. Yet, yet that's not the case for Jonah. Um, is it possible, right? So, I mean, just let's just get it out there. Is it possible that someone could be swallowed by a whale? I'll say whale at first and survive, right? So is that even like a thing? Yeah, there's legends of it, like urban legends or stories of people that were swallowed. Uh, one I was reading about this week, uh, this is from 2021, so really recent, the Cape Cod Times. I, I checked, like it's not like a fake newspaper. It's like a real newspaper, and this is a real story uh, that uh, a little before 8 a.m. on Friday, uh, a lobster diver was uh, out in the water. It was the second dive of the day. Uh, there were other boats around that were fishing for striped bass. The water temperature was a balmy 60 degrees, which sounds really warm. Maybe that's why there's lobster there. I don't know. Uh, the visibility was 20 feet, which doesn't seem good, but it sounds like California beaches. Uh, and then at that point is when uh, Michael Packard was swallowed whole by a humpback whale. So it literally happened. And he, the way he describes it, it says, all of a sudden I felt a huge shove. The next thing I knew it was completely black. And he could sense he was moving, right? He wasn't swimming. He was inside this thing, and he was moving. And that there was, like, constriction. He felt pressure. And uh, as the muscles in the whale's mouth constricted, and Packer thought maybe he was inside a great white shark, which, by the way, that would be even more terrifying because of teeth. Um, whales, this kind anyway, no teeth. And uh, he was inside. It was totally dark. Uh, there was no way of getting out. He thought, I'm done. I'm dead. I'm going to be digested. Right? He had scuba gear on and that I, he thinks it's because of that that he couldn't actually be swallowed because he had all the gear on. And he said he actually felt the whale start to move, like trying to dislodge something that was stuck in his mouth. He estimated he was inside the, the, the whale for 30 to 40 seconds. 
that literally would feel like the longest 30 to 40 seconds of your life, I would think. And then he saw a light. He started throwing his head about side to side. The next thing he knew, he was outside in the water uh, and, uh, and then was picked up by, um, you know, a, a boat. Uh, the pic- it did come, along, come with a picture, but I didn't get the picture up in time. But you could picture the guy standing there going, look, I'm good, I'm alive. So uh, that's exactly what the picture looked like. So, so it is possible that a whale could potentially swallow somebody. Uh, I've also read accounts where they, they, they go, it's not even possible because the throat of the whale isn't large enough for a person to go through into the stomach, right? Well, he was stuck in its throat, so obviously uh, that's as far as he got. Regardless of the possibility, we're missing the point. First of all, Jonah wasn't swallowed by a whale. It actually says in the passage, it was a great fish. So doesn't that make it even more unlikely someone could survive because a whale breathes air? And so you're like, hey, maybe that's where he got air to survive. Uh, By the way, if you go in the stomach, there's no air in the stomach, right? Uh, There's air in the lungs, not the stomach. So that doesn't help. Uh, and so it was a fish. It's even more unlikely because of that. And they don't surface to breathe air. But even that, we really are missing the point with Jonah. But does that mean that if you couldn't survive inside a whale or a fish, does that mean we're to read Jonah like some sort of fable, uh, a legend like Pinocchio, some story to tell children? And I would just say this, there's, there is nothing in the account of Jonah that indicates that it is anything other than to be read as literal, okay? That's the way we read it. It's God's word, and, it, and it's not, let me tell you a story to make you laugh or to scare you or to, no, it's, this is what happened to Jonah. And so we read it that way. So Jonah surviving inside the fish for three days that's what literally happened. Then I do have an answer for how. Uh, we'll get there at the end of the chapter, but I'll jump ahead to say it says that God prepared the great fish. That's the answer. The literary device is uh, Deus ex machina. And it basically means that kind of out of nothing comes an act of God. Okay, the Bible is filled with God doing impossible things in miraculous ways that that just don't explain. Uh, You can't explain it with science, with biology, and you go, look, this is a God thing. God prepared a fish for a purpose. My guess is that fish is totally unique in all of creation. There has never been one before, and there's never been one since. So I don't know anything about the fish other than it swallowed Jonah and he survived for three days. God has done this so many times. The walls of Jericho fell not by catapults, trebuchets, or siege engines, but by silent marching around the city and then yelling, and then the walls fell down. 
When the disciples were in the boat and Jesus needed to catch up to them, he didn't rent another boat. In fact, he walked out on the water to them. And when every human, hopeless, guilty of sin, heading toward judgment and deserving hell, God provided a way just as miraculously more so and for our benefit. The original Deus Ex Machina. God made a fish for that very purpose so that Jonah could survive. All right, so, so there you go. It's out there. Literally, this happened. And so it's a historical event, not just a story to learn the lesson. But there's lessons here that we really got to get, right? So let's get into it. Jonah chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1. We'll just do kind of chunks today in chapter 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to the city of Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. That's that, that saying, like the water's rising, it's literally come up to your eye level. That's how much sin there has been, that it's come up before God. Verse 3, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare. He went down into it to go down with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Okay. Jonah was a prophet. So why did he run? If the job of the prophet is to speak for God, why did he run? I'll just tell you this. He was mad. He was mad at God. He was mad at the whole circumstances. That if he went to Nineveh and called out against it is the language that's used. If he went and said, y'all are sinners, knock it off, then God might have mercy on them. Jonah didn't want them to have mercy. He didn't want them to repent and trust God and then in his mercy be forgiven. Jonah wanted Nineveh to be judged. Why? Right? Did he have a right to be mad? Why did he want them to be judged, to be punished? Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. It was a horrible place. It was militaristic, it was violent, it was uh, pagan. We know something about Nineveh, not just from histories, but also from the prophet Nahum, chapter 3. We actually read, this is what it says, Woe to the bloody city, all full of lies and plunder, no end to their prey, heaps of corpses, dead bodies without end. Nahum prophesying against the Assyrian Empire. Nineveh specifically says, look, this is a horrible place. There are bodies everywhere. And, and Jonah, taking that seriously and appreciating the value of every human life, says, look, they need to be judged. Is it possible that God could share, excuse me, could show them mercy? Could he be merciful to people like that? Well, he's sending Jonah for a reason. Does it bother you 
that there is someone even today that could be as bad as the people of Nineveh that God could show mercy and forgive and redeem that's an incredible thing that can happen God sending Jonah to Nineveh meant that God could give them mercy liars robbers child abusers murderers rapists could be granted mercy if that doesn't bother you or at least get your attention and contemplate what that means uh, I don't know what will but it, so not only that that you should it should get your attention but it should also give you hope that if God could forgive them then maybe he could forgive me for the things I've done because look that list I haven't done any of those now I'm limited in time but look if, if we're honest we could kind of go around we're not going to I won't I won't say show of hands who's done this but if you think about the things that you have done in fact when when Jesus was was asked about people being good he actually taught them at the Sermon on the Mount that that you've heard don't murder but but I would say don't even be angry at your brother because you're guilty of murder okay look I don't have brothers but I've had close people that I've definitely been angry at and he says uh, look don't commit adultery right you know that but you've heard don't look at look at a woman with lust in your eyes uh, look you're not to steal but but look have you ever okay look right there's just three right off the bat that I'm guilty of all of those the punishment for sin is death and therefore deserving of judgment so I haven't done what Nineveh did and the sins I've done haven't been quite as grievous as theirs but I am guilty and deserve judgment now I'm pointing a finger at me and you decide if you want to point one at yourself but but look scripture's clear we are all sinners we have all broken God's law and need judgment and so the promise of of Jonah is that if God could forgive the people of Nineveh and bring mercy to them and grant them an opportunity to make things right then we ought to have hope all right so let's let's look at some of this first of all Jonah was a prophet what does scripture teach about the office of prophet and the gift of prophecy First of all, the true prophet never speaks for himself. The prophet's job is to speak for God. That's his job. It's never to give his opinion. You know what? Here's what I'm thinking. That's why Jonah is in trouble. Right? Jonah's in trouble because his job is to go and do what God said even when he didn't want to. Several texts make this explicit. God promised Moses, now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. He said, I will raise up for you my people as a, uh, before my people as a prophet, and I will put your words into your mouth, right? It's, it's God's words, not Moses' words. He told Jeremiah, I'll put my words into your mouth. He commissioned Ezekiel by saying, you must speak my words to them. And so many of the Old Testament prophets uh, prophetic books even say the word of the Lord came unto right that the point of the prophet is to say this is God's word unto you 
This isn't, I've got some ideas on how you can clean things up. This is what God is saying to you. In the New Testament, the most prominent uh, prophetic voice after Jesus would be John the Baptist, whose job was to go before Jesus and proclaim the coming of the Lord. And then on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up uh, and declared uh, in a uh, limited exercise of prophecy uh, that God would henceforth pour out his spirit on all people. The difference in the Old Testament and that of the New Covenant, in the Old Testament, the spirit would come upon someone, either the judges or the prophets, and they would be kind of granted for a limited time the Holy Spirit to do what God wanted them to do. The, the good news about the new, new covenant in Christ's blood is that the Holy Spirit is always with us. Don't you know, therefore, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? And so, again, some good news. Uh, and then some people kind of equate the Old Testament office of prophet and, and maybe preaching in the New Testament. Uh, they're not quite the same, and so uh, th these definitely would be the Old Testament uh, version, but the New Testament gift of prophecy, speaking for God, uh, is the idea, it's the word revelation, to reveal, right? To reveal God's word and say, here's what it says. Here's what you to learn from this. So Jonah's on the boat and running from God. If you notice, it said it two times in those three verses that he ran to Tarshish away from the presence of God. Right? As if you could just go, well, if I go here, and it's kind of like a, a preschooler playing hide, and go, playing hide and go seek. Right? And so they go somewhere and they hide, but they're not hiding very well. And you know how they really hide? They cover their own eyes. As if, well, now you can't see me. It's like that. Jonah's hiding from God by trying to get away from him and cover his own eyes. Something's going to happen, right? And here it is. This is verse 4 of chapter 1. Then the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. There was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. The wind and then the tempest was the waves, right? Uh, then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the, sh the ship into the sea to lighten it for them, right? Because you want it riding higher in the waves instead of lower, then the waves don't uh, come into the ship. Uh, but Jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. Jonah, like, like, someone, like someone who doesn't worry about things. Oh, I'm a prophet of God. I don't really worry about stuff. And the sailors are like, we're all going to die. And he's, well, I'm tired. It's like being on a road trip and you're the one driving and you're really tired. And then everyone's sleeping in the car. Uh, I'm dad, so that's me. Uh, my son stays awake often. So. Give him some credit. Uh, so then the, the captain came and said, what do you mean, you sleeper? Like that was a, some sort of insult. <laughs> Arise, call to your God. Perhaps the God 
will give a thought. By the way, notice the, the uh, article, the God, as if there's many gods, whatever God you call to come, maybe there's something there. He says, maybe the God will give thought to us and we may not perish. Said to one another, come, let us cast lots. So basically they're like, uh, you know, rock, paper, scissors, roll and die, doing something to determine who's guilty. Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and lot fell on Jonah. (laughs) We knew that it was coming. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? And he said, well, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord. Uh, the word there is, is Yahweh, right? So there's, it's his name, not just uh, vague, uh, some sort of God. No, I fear the one true living God. The God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done to us? Right, that you could hear that. For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. God had hurled the wind and the waves to get Jonah's attention. Where do you think you're going? Do you think I can't see you? Uh, I have to say, I have been asked this so many times. Right? Pastor, I'm really going through something right now. Is God punishing me? Right? That's what, that's what Jonah's dealing with. Uh, when things are really hard, you have a, you have a question to ask. And I don't think it's, it's that question like, that I often get. My answer is always the same. Is there a reason you think you should be punished? Right? Is there something going on in your life you need to take before the Lord and repent? Is there something going on that that you're just pretending is perfectly okay that you need to stop and acknowledge before the Lord? Regardless if I think this is actual punishment or not, God is sovereign. And what's going on isn't an accident. And so really your question is just one of perspective. Is he punishing you? I don't know. Is he getting your attention so that you might make a change in your life? Possibly. And it might be for someone else's benefit or for yours. But regardless, if you have unrepentant sin, you need to acknowledge it and go before the Lord. If, if, if not, there's examples in Scripture where things happen to God's people from no fault of their own. But always for a reason. And so if you're like, I think I'm good. Right? I, I think I'm right with the Lord right now. We don't know why you're going through what you're going going through, but God does. And so, if God is truly working all things for good, to grow your relationship with Him, to grow you into His likeness, then it's not an accident. And so, He used the wind and the waves, the, the tempest, to get Jonah's attention. You can't hide from me. 
So just like Jonah, you can't run from God forever, right? What you might pretend, eh, God's okay with what I'm doing. God's okay with what's going on, but know that you can't run forever. You can't run like God isn't there and can't see you. When you're, when you're driving home today and... Uh, or any time for that matter, and you see the red and blue flashing lights behind you, you hear the siren, you can pretend. They're not there. It's okay. They're not for me. It, it must be okay. And you could do that, but it's only going to get worse if you do. Pull over as soon as you can. It goes much better for you. When God wants to get your attention, pull over as soon as you can. Stop and say, God, what, what's going on? there's something I need to do different than I'm doing. You can't keep running indefinitely. In Galatians 6, 7, Paul wrote it this way. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap, right? You can't pretend everything is fine. There's going to be evidence that it's not. And then ultimately, on the day of judgment, Jesus talked about it. It's recorded in Matthew uh, chapter 25, verse 31 is where I'll start. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, uh, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. He will separate the people one from another as the uh, shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you as the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. And I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer to him, Lord, when did we do these things? Uh, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink, and when we see you as a stranger and welcome you and naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And when you did the least of these, you did these, my brothers, you did it for me. Uh, that there's not going to be things that are secret from God. Right? There, there will be things that you do, but God knows. And so, there's nothing, we're not just pretending at this. I think we, we forget that because there's plenty of things that go on that are fairly anonymous. But not to God. God's not surprised by those. So Jonah and the sailors in the storm, and they're sure that one of them has angered God. Jonah says, well, I'm a Hebrew. Yeah, it's me. And so then they said, well, what are we going to do? Verse 11, they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. Then he said to them, pick me up, hurl me into the sea, and then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that the great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode, right? They're like, we're not throwing you in the water. There's nothing good about that. They just, we'll just, we'll try and get to shore. The men uh, rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against, him, against them. 
Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord. Notice this time they're calling out to the Lord, right? Yahweh. They called out to the Lord, Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not on us his innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased its raging. The men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a great sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Right? So part of the circumstances of what happened to Jonah was that people learned something about God. And that, how important that is. Jonah knew he was caught. They cast lots. There's a storm. There's wind. They're like, it's you, you sleeper. And Jonah knew he was caught. What do you do when you know you're caught? You can acknowledge it or you could double down and go, I don't know. It's not me. In fact, Jonah's like, just throw me away. I'm done. I'm not going to Nineveh. Similar to uh, Well, I'll read that in a minute So If you have to acknowledge your sin You need to repent And repentance might mean some sort of sacrifice Uh, The goal is to be right with God There's going to be things that you shouldn't do That you've been doing Things that you should do that you haven't done yet That's repentance Repentance means acknowledgement And turning from sin So when you turn from something, you sacrifice it. This is what I was doing, but I shouldn't be doing that. You turn from it. That's what you sacrifice. Uh, Jesus talking about things that cause you to sin in Matthew 5, verse 29 and 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that of your whole body be thrown into hell and if your right hand causes you to sin cut it off throw it away for it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body to go into hell and that the point being not necessarily literal there it's you need to do what you can to 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 get out of that situation to cut it off to sacrifice it to say i'm done with that as much as i wanted that i desired that i know it's not right before god so there's verse 17. So there, Jonah gets thrown into the water. As soon as he's in the water, the, the, the wind stops, the wave stops, the, the, the people in the boat are like, oh, good, that worked. Verse 17, the Lord appointed, prepared is the same word, uh, a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Okay, we read the account of the guy swallowed by the humpback whale. 30 to 40 seconds, and he's tossing and turning, and the whale's freaking out, and, and this. Look at what happens with Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. In fact, we don't know what happens during that time. Chapter 2, we find out what happens at the end of three days. I got one thing about Jonah that is really clear. Jonah is stubborn. I'm in a whale, and I'm going to die, and that's fine. I'm still not going to Nineveh. But for three days, God's like, you're going to Nineveh. Since you can't run from God, repentance is the only option. If God is getting your attention, that you need to make a change in your life, you can run as much as you want, but you can't get away from God. 
Repentance is the only option. Psalm 139, 7, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? By the way, that, that's written in the way that the answer is clear. Where shall I go? Nowhere. Where can I flee? Nowhere. You're there. There's no way to get away from you. So Jonah couldn't either. The, the picture's pretty clear. We're to respond when God gets our attention to say, you're right, I messed up. I have some next steps for you today. First of all, uh, I need to reflect on the areas of my life where I've been running. Running from God, running from what I should have done or should not have done. Uh, and then commit to make a change. That, that commitment is, is such a small phrase, but it means a big, big thing, right? It means I commit it to God, to myself. I, I talk to my brothers and sisters in my, my community group, uh, Bible study, things like that to say, here's what I'm dealing with. Uh, I need help. Can you help hold me accountable? Can you encourage me in this? And, and that's why we do this together in community, right? There, that as... Uh, followers of Christ. We don't do this on our own, by ourselves, without support. It doesn't happen very well, but together we do. And then the second one, I begin the process of allowing God to make changes in my life. That's the point. It's supposed to be something God does in us and through us for his glory. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, I'm so grateful for your word. I'm grateful for uh, the message of Jonah. And it, and it sounds like Jonah didn't do it right all the time, uh, that he was stubborn. Uh, we're kind of leaving him that way, that he's stubborn, but I, I'm so encouraged with hope. I'm encouraged by hope because uh, you didn't let Jonah die in the water. You didn't let jo Jonah die in the, the fish. And you didn't let Nineveh and all the men, women, and children there that, as your word says, their sin came up before you and they were deserving of judgment. You didn't let them just suffer judgment and die. But you cared enough to send your prophet to speak to them that they might hear, repent, and be saved. And Father, for each one of us that you cared enough to send your son for us. We thank you. We thank you for Jesus. And that's how much you cared for us, that you were willing to sacrifice your son, that we might uh, believe and repent and then be called children of God. We thank you for that. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray.